Well, welcome to Emmanuel and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms out there. Can we give it up for them? We would not be who we are and we would not be here today without you moms, quite literally. So we thank you for all that you've done. I want to say thank you to my mom who watches. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to you as well. You're awesome. And uh, if you're a guest with us here today, we want to say welcome to Emmanuel, whatever campus you're at, or if you're at the Banta campus, the Franklin campus, uh, if you're watching at our online campus, or if you're at one of our microsites, we welcome you. Can we give it up for all of our guests here today watching? Welcome. Next week, Garfield Park will be tuning in through the live feed, so that's very, very exciting. Uh, So we'll be speaking to them as well next week. So... My name is Danny, and uh, if you're a guest here today, and normally what we do is we kind of teach in a, a, a series format. We have like four or five weeks in a row where we're kind of diving into a specific topic, and right now we're in a series called Unhurried. We started it last week, and, and I've just, what I've decided to do today is something I normally don't do, and that is to call an audible. And so what I did as I said, hey, we're going to take a break. We're going to do an espresso, what's called an espresso shot weekend, where I just kind of give you a jolt of something fresh, something different that God is, is doing in my heart, and so... So that's what's going to happen today. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, Last week, uh, my wife and I were able to go to London, England. So that was crazy. Okay, so here's why we went initially, because I got invited to a pastor's conference out there. uh, And a friend of mine invited me. I'd never been to this conference before. And as my wife and I were talking about it, we're like, well, if I'm going to get on a plane and fly like six and a half hours, seven hours uh, over to uh, Europe... Uh, why not come with me? Actually, I think it was her idea <laughs> to, for her to come with me. She's like, hey, I want to come. I was like, so <laughs> I can't take credit for that one. So, uh, so we, we decided to go early, five days early, six days early before the conference, because uh, this summer we are celebrating 20 years of marriage, which is absolutely awesome. So we kind of went... So it was kind of our, our celebration time, and it was fantastic. I got a little uh, selfie to show you here. Uh, this is a picture of Jackie and I. Uh, she is as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. Just love her so much. Right there. Uh, but this, this picture is, is special, not just because my wife's face is in it, but because it, it's actually at a, a little pub in London, England. It's one of the oldest pubs in the, whole, in the whole city. It was called the Mayflower. And some guy in the street actually just, I said, hey, where should we go? We're here, we're visiting. And he said, you need to go to the Mayflower. I was like, okay, why? And he said, because that's where the first, listen, that's where the first pilgrims left England on a boat right outside this pub to come to America. And so I'm like, we've got to go there. And so we went, we had a fantastic time. Our whole experience in England was just like walking through one gigantic museum. I mean, it was just everywhere you went, you saw things uh, that were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. We saw where Queen Anne Boleyn lost her head. If you know anything about uh, English history, that was fascinating. Uh, We went to... uh, uh, what's Winston Churchill's war rooms, which is where he fought against Hitler, and it was all kind of the same. That was, if you're a history buff and you get a chance to go out there, it's a must, it's a must see. And so we went out there to celebrate 20 years, but we also went out there uh, to, to go to this leadership conference, which was, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, 
and God really spoke to me and shared, uh, shared some things with me that I felt, man, I, I can't bottle this in. I've got to share this with all of you. And so that's why we're calling it audible today to, uh, to share what I want to share with you, uh, what God shared with me. So the ideas I'm going to share with you today, I've just got five ideas and they're in your notes there. And so uh, you can follow along and take notes and jot some things down as well. But they're all, they're all kind of, uh, they were shared in the context of, of leadership. And this was a leadership conference. And so if you're thinking, well, man, I'm not a leader, you, you got to change your thinking on that because leadership at its core, at, its, at the bottom, uh, you know, at the, at the foundation is, is influence. That's all it is. And, you know, we have got parents that came up here today, moms and dads, and, and they're leaders because they are influencing these little creatures that they've created and brought into the world. Yes. And some of you are grandparents and you have grandkids and you're influencing and, and some of you go to work and you have coworkers and you're influencing and some of you have, you know, positions at work where you're a director or you're overseeing certain groups of people and you're a leader and we're all leaders at some level, even if you're just influencing yourself, you're leading yourself. And so please don't tune me out when I use the word leadership, okay? You might not view yourself as a leader, but you actually are because leadership is influence. So that's kind of how, what uh, the context of these ideas. So let me throw the first one at you, which is more of an observation than, than, than an instruction, and it's, the, it's this observation right here, that we, you and I, if you are part of a church, maybe you don't attend this church regularly, you attend another church, but if you're part of a church, you are, are part of something that is huge. It is massive. What do I mean by that? Well, I didn't really know what to expect at this conference. I've been to a lot of different conferences. I've been a pastor now for a long time, and I've been to conferences where there've been 10,000, 15,000 people in a stadium, and this particular conference was a large conference. There's about 6,000 leaders there, but it wasn't, it wasn't the size of the conference that made an impact on me. It was who was there. When the, when the leader of the conference, his name is Nikki Gumbel, Nikki and Pippa Gumbel, maybe you've heard of them because they do a, a one-year Bible uh, reading plan on the YouVersion app, which by the way, I got to meet the guy who made the YouVersion Bible app, took a picture with him. <laughs> I won't show that to you, but anyway, that's pretty cool. 374 million downloads later, I met that guy, yeah, okay. Um, so Nikki and Pippa Gumbel, they, they, they host, they're the leaders of this church called Holy Trinity Brompton Church in London, England. And they also, it's a multi-site church. Actually, I actually have a picture of one of their campuses. Let me show you a picture. This is a, this is a picture of one of their sites. What they've done is they've gone around, all these churches in England were empty. All these beautiful, old, you know, just historic buildings. Nobody was attending. So God is moving in their church. So they're buying up all of these old churches and then renovating the inside. And uh, so they've got five campuses that look just like this. It's absolutely fantastic. Anyway, Nikki gets up there and he starts talking and is doing his first talk, 64 years old. His wife is up there and he says, today we have over 80 nations represented in our conference. And at first I was like, okay, that's 80 nations. And I was looking around, huge auditorium. And then it started to hit me, 80 nations in one location. I've never been part of a meeting like that. So I started asking people, where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? These are the, these are the places that, that, uh, that people were from that I just met myself, Indonesia, South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, Ireland, 
South Korea, Venezuela, Amsterdam, Germany, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, Canada, Australia, Ethiopia, France, Brazil, and Texas. Is that not a a country? Um, It was like everyone, everywhere I turned, it was like, where are you from? Somewhere different. It's absolutely incredible. I was like the minority at this conference. It was wonderful. In fact, one night we were sitting at uh, dinner and I was talking to a guy from Finland and then there was another guy from Denmark and then there was another guy from Sweden there. And the guy from Sweden had a sense of humor. He said, let me tell you a joke. I said, let's go. He said, what do you call somebody that knows more than six languages? I had no idea, but there's actually a word for it. It's called a polyglot. Did anybody know that? Someone who knows seven languages is called a polyglot. He said, what do you call somebody that, that knows six? It's a hexilingual. How about, a fi- how about five languages? Pentalingual. And all these guys knew two or three different languages. I mean, they're just talking in their different languages. What about four languages? A quadrilingual. What about three? I said, I know what that one is. That's a trilingual. And I knew what the two, you know, of course, is bilingual. And he said, what do you call somebody that knows one language? I'm like, I don't really know. He said, American. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he just totally was making fun of me. I'm like, yeah, you got me. Like that, I'm guilty. Like I'm half Hispanic. I don't even know Spanish. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm a loser. So, you know, it's just this... My, my point is this, as, as, I, as I was looking around at this conference and seeing all these different pastors and leaders and ministry leaders from over 80 different nations, it hit me like, this is what heaven is going to be like. In Revelation chapter 5, there's this little passage where John, the author of the book of Revelation, is is kind of brokenhearted because there's this scroll that nobody can open and read. And then all of a sudden, Jesus steps up and he begins to open the scroll. And the book of Revelation is kind of awkward at times. It's weird. It's hard to understand. It talks about these four creatures that, that have different faces on them. It's, it's, I try to avoid Revelation as much as I can. But, but it, there's these four creatures in heaven. And then around the four creatures, there's these 24 elders. And they worship God. And, and, and when Jesus begins to open the scroll, these four creatures and these 24 elders begin to sing a new song. And this is the song they began to sing in Revelation They sang this new song with these words, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. Listen. For you were slaughtered and your blood was ransomed. Your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And I'm telling you, at this conference, I saw it. I saw a picture of what heaven is going to be like. It is not going to be filled with a bunch of Caucasian Midwesterners, (laughs) okay? It is gonna be filled with people who are Asian and European and African and every single people group. At one point, at one point, we were in a breakout session and there was all this chatter behind me. And you know, when I'm in a sermon or, or when I'm in a talk situation trying to listen in, take notes, I get distracted. I don't want people to talk or do anything. So I'm like trying to be patient. You know, I'm like, here, I'm supposed to be like Jesus. But these people are talking. Well, finally, I had had enough and I turn around and I'm about to say something like, shh. And you know what, you know what it was? It was all the translators. 
And they were all these different languages. And I looked around and all these people had headphones on. And I felt about this small <laughs> because I was angry. And God just gave me a picture that his kingdom and the gospel is going out through the whole earth. We get to see a small little microcosm of what's going on here in Indiana. Maybe we've got a couple of multi-sites and this and that. We get to see the church at work in America. But it is, the gospel is going out to places like Sri Lanka, South Korea. I mean, it is going out everywhere. And I was so encouraged because we don't hear that. Like we think, like, is the gospel really working in the world? Are we, are we all by ourselves? And I'm here to to tell you that we are part of something that is huge. Can we give God glory for that? The kingdom of God is advancing all over the world. The second idea I want to share with you today, and, and you can circle whichever one of these grabs you or whichever one the Holy Spirit really pricks your heart with. The second idea I want to share with you today is, is this, is to be audacious. Be willing to take bold risks. We just finished up a series called Savage Jesus. Meaning that Jesus was bold and he was willing to take risks. Nikki Gumbel was, was sharing a little bit about how all of this took place. And you have to understand the context. It's really hard to even explain. We're, we're, we're in this, we're gathered in this place called the Royal Albert Hall. Now, Albert was married to one of the queens. I can't remember which one. Some of you history buffs know. But this, this castle building... Colosseum was built in his honor 150 years ago. Everyone who is famous in the world has performed in the Royal Albert Hall. I can't even go through the list of, of names. Athletes, actors, singers. This is a historic place. In fact, I have a picture of what the inside looks like right here. This is the, this is the meeting place we were in. So picture 6,000 pastors and church leaders and, you know, Catholic priests and, you know, Anglican priests and from every single, you know, denomination and background and nationality all gathered in this place. It's packed you know who led worship? Matt Redman. Anybody know Matt Redman? We were worshiping and singing to the, I'm looking around, I'm thinking, this is crazy. Like the Queen of England has one of these booths, like, like these are all royal booths up here. And, and the Queen, I don't know which one it is, but the Queen of England has to say yes when someone wants to rent out the hall. And she said yes to Nikki Gumbel. She didn't come to the conference though. I would have asked for a photo. <laughs> this is unbelievable, I'm thinking to myself. What is happening? Nikki said this, and this was one of his prayers years ago. He said, Lord, give me a vision that would be impossible to accomplish by myself. And when he said that, I was looking around. I said, God has answered that prayer because I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I felt God saying, be audacious. In the Savage Jesus series, we talked about how God is inviting us into, into the miraculous. God wants to do the impossible. Peter walked on water. He did the impossible. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Now, all glory to God who is able. God is able through his mighty power that works through us and within us to accomplish infinitely more than we even ask or think. When I read that verse, I think, oh God, why do I sell myself so short? 
You are God who does the impossible. You can do infinitely more than I can even think up in my mind or even ask of you. As a leader, we need to be audacious. We need to pray bigger prayers. As a parent, listen, it's Mother's Day. As a mother, you need to think bigger dreams and pray bigger dreams for your children and cast bigger visions in front of them because God wants to do infinitely more than we even think or ask. And I saw it with my own eyes, this conference. It was, it was a miracle. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, John chapter 14, verse 12, whoever believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater ones because I'm going to my Father. I'm telling you, Jesus never gathered 6,000 leaders from 80 different nations and had church. He never did it. But I saw it with my own eyes through Nikki Gumbel. Powerful. Be audacious. Pray bigger prayers. Number three, you've got to be willing to go through the pain. (laughs) The pain. Leadership involves pain. You know this if you've led before, right? Pain of rejection, pain of criticism. People leave you. They don't buy into what you're trying to do. They, They criticize you. Pain. The Apostle Paul was familiar with pain. He wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. That's amazing. By himself, scholars say that he planted 20 churches, not counting the daughter churches, the sister churches, the granddaughter churches that spun off from those. How did it go for the Apostle Paul? Let me read, let me read you his own words and how his life kind of played out. He said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I have worked harder, been in prison more often, been whipped times without number. Can you imagine being whipped so many times you can't remember how many times it was? Anybody been there? Nope, none of us. Been faced, what does he say? Been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, not with marijuana. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers who are, that are not, but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty. I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep myself warm. And then, verse 28, besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. How did it go for Paul? It was a life of pain. Leadership always involves pain, which is why we shy away from the hard conversation, from the difficult decision. We know that if we step in and we have the conversation or we make the decision or we discipline the child, there's going to be backlash. There's going to be pain. I was going to say another word. There's going to be something to pay, right? And so we, we don't do the hard thing. We shy away. We don't deal with the situations we need to deal with because we're trying to avoid pain. And so we stay where we are as leaders. Our impact is limited because we're not willing to endure the pain. Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor in the United States, was one of the keynote speakers at the conference. He leads a a small little church in Oklahoma, 33 campuses in 10 different states. Just a little kind of ministry deal there. It's the largest church in the United States of America. And his message to all of us leaders was about enduring pain, growing in our capacity 
to endure pain. This is what he said. The difference between where you are and where God wants you to be in your leadership and your impact is the pain you are unwilling to endure. The difference between where you are right now and where God wants you to be is this this pain that you are unwilling to step into. Why? Because we don't like pain. But leadership always involves pain. And so I just heard God say, are you willing to step in and endure the pain? How do you grow in your capacity to, to endure pain? Well, you have to endure pain. That's the only way. Why? Why does it work that way? It's because when you step into the pain, that's when you learn that God is sufficient. That's where you learn that God's got your back. That's where you learn to trust him at deeper levels. We don't learn to trust God on the mountaintops when everything's going fine. We learn to trust God's sufficiency in the valley of the shadow of death. Yes or no? When things are difficult, when things are hard, that's when we learn his sufficiency. That's when we learn we can trust in him. We have to be willing to endure the pain. We grow in our capacity to endure pain by enduring pain, not avoiding it. Maybe that hits you, maybe that grabs you, maybe the Spirit of God right now is pricking your heart and speaking to you, I hope hope that he is, as a mother, as as a parent, as a leader at work, as a leader in this community. You have to be willing to endure the pain. Number four, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. One day Jesus was walking through Jerusalem, and he comes up to this, this, uh, this pool in, in John chapter 5. It's called the Pool of Bethesda. Some of you know this story well. And the, the history behind this pool was that the waters would stir and bubble up, and the first person to jump in would be healed of their sickness. That was the thinking. That was the, the theory. And so there was these, these uh, little platforms and booths around the pool, and they were filled with, with lame people, paralyzed people, blind people, just waiting for the water to stir. So Jesus comes up to this pool, and he sees a guy who's been there for 38 years. That's a long time. I'm 41. That's like my whole life. This guy's been by this pool. He's paralyzed. Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? What a question. It's been there 38 years. It's almost insulting, don't you think? What do you think? Do I want to be made well? What am I lying here, right? Listen to his response. I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up continues someone else gets there ahead of me someone else always seems to step in front of me what is he what is this what does he give Jesus he gives him what gives him an excuse like really Jesus is saying why are you still here well see I I can't I'm not fast enough I have no one to help me I can't get in now you have your excuses And I have mine. And it's the excuses that we throw out that limit our leadership capacity. Why is that true? Because an excuse simply takes you out of the seat of responsibility. And leaders are always taking responsibility. Leaders are always saying, this is my responsibility. I need to change this. Even when it's not their fault, leaders will say, it's my fault. I've got to, because that's the nature of leadership. But as soon as you make an excuse, well, see, I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I've never, I don't know the right people. 
I'm not bilingual. I'm not this. I don't have this. I don't, I don't have, I didn't grow up in the right home. I didn't have the right parents. As soon as we make an excuse, we take ourselves out of the seat of responsibility. Therefore, we don't take any actions because now we're victims. See, I'm, and a victim doesn't do anything. It's not my fault. I can't help it. Somebody else steps in front of me. What am I supposed to do? I'm just going to sit here. And I'm telling you, it's the excuses that we come up with in our life that keeps us from stepping into this place of healing that God wants for us, that you want for yourself. Be careful about your excuses. They will be your limitations. Now, I don't know if the Spirit of God is taking that and using that in your life. I don't even know what's going on in your life. I don't even know if you're making excuses. But maybe you are. And maybe you need to hear this from the Holy Spirit right now. Stop making excuses. They will be your limitation. Number five share this last one with you. We have to constantly get adjustments. Constantly get adjustments. Get adjusted regularly. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know if you've ever had this situation with a child or a grandchild or we've had it in our home. You're kind of sitting there having a conversation with your spouse or whatever, or you're sitting by yourself reading a book and the kid, one of your, one of your children enters the room. And maybe they ask a question and you give an answer and they don't like it. And so then they give you what? They give you a sassy attitude. Anybody? Anybody else a parent in the room? Right? Even grandparents? And they get this funky, sassy, you know, they talk back, you know, type of thing. And uh, now my wife and I don't do this often, but sometimes what we'll do, and it's really me because she's too kind. I will say to one of our children, uh, usually just particularly one, I'll say, uh, you know, you may leave the room and fix the funk, the sass, get rid of it. I don't know where you picked it up. Maybe you picked it up at school. Maybe you got a friend that talks that way to their parents. Not in this home. Leave the room, fix it, and then you may re-enter with a different mindset and a different attitude. We don't do that often because it's kind of embarrassing. But we have done that. I have done that. And, and with this, this speaker, her name was Charlotte Campbell. She's a fantastic speaker, author, writer. She gave this talk called Re-Entering the Room. And she said as leaders, the limiting factor in our leadership capacity or leadership effectiveness is our attitude, our emotional state when we walk into a room with the people we're leading, with our children, with our team. It's how we respond and how we talk. When people sense a negative, critical attitude, a judgmental, jealous, selfish attitude in the leader, how do they respond? Are they like, oh, I want to follow you. You're awesome. I want to be just like you. No, they don't, do they? They kind of push back, right? A negative, sassy, funky attitude limits your influence as a leader on a team, in your home, and in your organization. And so what Charlotte Gamble was talking about is every now and then you need to step out of the room. She had a, she had a door on the stage. It was a brilliant prop, just a door on a frame. And she kept stepping out and then stepping back in through the door. I'm going to use that one day. I'm going to steal it from her. We're going to do a series called Step Into the Room or something like that. It was just a fantastic prop and it just burned into my mind that, that I, I as a leader, I have to constantly monitor my emotional condition and my emotional state and how I'm responding to people and speaking to people because my attitude is influencing my influence. Yes or no? 
right? It's limiting, or, or the other way around, it's helping me to be a better leader if my attitude is positive and upbeat and filled with hope and encouragement and positivity. And so from time to time, what I do is I just step out of the room. I did it last week. I just stepped out of the room. I went to England. That's stepping out of the room. <laughs> and what God did in my heart is he did some adjusting to my attitude. He did some adjusting to my perspective. And now here I am stepping back into the room and I, 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 my attitude and my mindset is different. I've changed. Listen, some of you moms, you don't step out of the room. You never leave your children. I'm gonna give you permission here today. This is thus saith the Lord. Maybe not, <laughs> maybe not. This might be thus saith Danny, but you, you discern. <laughs> you moms, you need to leave your children for a little while. <laughs> okay, don't abandon your kids. Just, but you need to leave the room and say, honey, it's your, it's your, it's your time. You need to, and you need to go do some, some stuff to adjust and fix and get perspective and come back in with love in your heart and just this strength to parent these children and guide these teenagers, middle school students, two-year-olds, whatever you got. And if you don't do that, your attitude is going to be your limitation. And then your kids will learn your attitude from you. Charlotte Campbell was talking about Mary and Martha. And we're going to come back to this story in the Unhurried series when we continue. And, and she said, uh, it's so, so brilliant what she talked about. She said, you know, Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's house and they invite him in. And Mary's excited. Martha's excited. Mar Martha gets busy cooking a dinner. Like, and many of you too, like, well, Jesus is here. What are we going to do? You're going to cook. <laughs> that wouldn't be my first thought, but many of you would do that. Martha, does, uh, Mary decides she's going to sit down and listen to what the teacher has to say. That's probably, I would be bent that way. Like, Jesus is here. Talk. <laughs> say something. And so Mary sits down. She starts listening to Jesus. Martha's in the kitchen cooking, doing a good thing. Is it, is it a sin to cook for Jesus? No, this is great, serving. He's probably hungry, right? Every, all the moms out there is like, oh, do you need a meal? It's like the first thing on your mind. What is that's up with that? Anyway, it's a mom thing, I, get, I, I think. And so she's in the kitchen, she's cooking, and, and something good turns bad. Listen, Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So she goes over to Jesus and says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits there like a lazy bump on the log. Now, it doesn't say that, but you can sort of read that in, in there. Doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits there while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, as a communication major in college, I understand that communication is, is mostly body language and tone of voice. It's a very small percentage of communication's actual content. So we don't know the tone of voice or the body language, but you can imagine it, right? It's like... Lord, I'm in there doing all the work and my lazy sister's here. Tell her to get up. She's been lazy her whole life. Now, now I'm exaggerating. I'm exaggerating. I don't do a good woman, bad attitude. You know, I know that was bad, but her attitude was horrible. And it was going to be her limitation. How do you think Mary felt? She's sitting there taking notes from the master, right? 
Like the greatest teacher in the world is in the room. She's, she's doing what, what she probably should be doing. And now she's being made fun of or being called lazy by her sister. How do you think that influenced Mary? How do you think, you think Mary's gonna follow Martha anytime soon? <laughs> or is she just gonna like think, hold a grudge? Or be wounded or hurt? See, we have to have adjustments. So Jesus says to her, Martha, you've been, you're distracted by many things. Your sister Mary, she's chosen the good thing and, 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 and it will not be taken away from her. And he just slightly, gently adjusts her attitude. And I'm telling you, the best thing I've done for my leadership is to step out of the room. You guys know now, every six weeks, I don't preach. Some of you are like, Danny, how come you're not preaching today? Because <laughs> I need to leave. Because if I don't step out of the room, I'm going to get this sassy thing going on. Like, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? This campus pastor wants somebody to do some work. Why am I the only one? I'm going to get funky. And then my funky attitude is going to limit my leadership and my influence. And then my team's not going to follow me. And then things are going to fall apart. So what I do regularly, you know this, I just step out of the room. I say, Holy Spirit, God, fix me, change me, adjust me, my thinking, my heart, fill me with your love and your passion. Give me a vision for this church. And I, can, and I just come back. I come back with a better perspective, with strength and energy. I'm telling you, some of you parents, leaders, you need to, you, you are addicted to the work and you don't take vacation, you don't take time away and you need to step out of the room. So I don't know what spoke to you today. Maybe that did. Maybe the reality that you need to be audacious. Maybe the fact that we're part of something huge. I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit has done in your life today. I'm kind of spreading some seed and throwing it out there and, and, and hopefully it lands in some fertile soil. And so what I'd like to do right now is just kind of pray that the seeds that I spread today, maybe, maybe you needed to hear the, the idea that you stop making excuses. Maybe you needed to hear the idea about pain, like the difference between where you are and get where God wants you to be is the pain you're unwilling to endure. Maybe that hit you. Circle one of those things in the notes, highlight it, write it down, say, this one is me. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he just said that. And what I'm going to do right now is just give you some space and time to let the Holy Spirit solidify that. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to have a song. And during this song, just open your heart to, to God. Just say to him, Holy Spirit, come in, to, speak to me, confirm, affirm the words that were spoken today in my heart so that I can leave here and be different. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this space, this time. At all of our campuses, everyone listening in right now, I pray that we would create space for you. And just give you the next few moments to take the, the truth that we heard today, the seeds that were sown, and solidify them in our hearts. Just one idea. Speak. Confirm. We're open for you to change us. To transform us. to increase our influence as leaders with our children, with our coworkers, with the people who serve under us. Holy Spirit, we give you this, this space and this time to change us, move in our hearts as we worship you, as we as we make ourselves still 
in your presence? Will you reveal what we need to do and what we need to change? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So oh.
part of something huge. Yes, here in Greenwood, Indiana, central Indiana, but something global. I've seen it with my own eyes. People from Nigeria, people from Australia, pastors and leaders, people from South Korea, saying the same things we're saying, inviting people into a relationship with God. And you know what, what the message is at the core of that movement? It's a simple message. Jesus said it, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Some of you need to hear it today. Some of you came, you thought it'd be fun to see a child get committed or, you know, some of you thought you came for someone else, a friend invited you, and, and to come to find out God has his eye on you. He's drawing you into relationship with himself. Will you listen? Or will you resist him? I would implore you on his behalf, do not resist him. He loves you. He gave his life for you. Step into a relationship with him today. Put your trust in him today. I'm gonna to say a simple prayer of faith. You might say, well, my faith, I don't have much. It doesn't take much. It just takes a faith as small as a mustard seed, Jesus said one time. If you just have a little bit, it works. Reach out to him. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Tell him that you believe he died on the cross for you and that he rose again. You'll become his child today. Will you pray with me? If you feel led, take these words, make them your own. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for laying your life down on the cross for me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for paying a debt I could not pay. I believe you rose again three days later so that I could be forgiven. So right now, wash me, cleanse me of all my sin, all my wrongdoing and make me your child. Fill me with your love right now. Invade my soul with your very spirit. And from this day forward, teach me, guide me, lead me, be my master. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory today? He is drawing men and women into the kingdom today, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I wanna, I wanna make mention of something to you on your way out, whether whatever campus that you're at, if you're watching online, there's a place that you can check. We wanna give a new believer's Bible away to you totally free of charge. Someone did this for me when I became a new believer and I began reading the scriptures and God began to change my life. So whatever campus that you're at, there's tables in the back of the auditorium. Grab one of these on your way out. Tell them that you trusted Christ today for your, as your savior and they'll put one in your hands. One more time, can we give God glory? Amen, guys. Come on, nice and loud. One more time, thank you to all of our mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, let me pray for us as we wrap up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus, for his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Thank you for those who trusted in him today for eternal life. Give them the courage to go grab a Bible today. 
And thank you for the lessons that you taught me in London and the strength and the voice to share them with your people. May they produce fruit in our lives. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next week for week number two of Unhurried. Bring a friend.